Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of the B2B SaaS company, VAM, that's helping sales teams increase their sales through video messaging. I started this podcast because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO, and therefore, I know that I need to learn from the best. So with that said, let's jump into the episode. Hi, my name is Johnny Warstrom. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Mentimeter, and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Johnny. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. And uh, for the record also, I'm, you, you're one of my role models. You are an angel investor of mine. You are one of my mentors and you have helped me so much before. So uh, it's an honor that you take 30 minutes to be in the podcast. Uh, it's uh, the least I can do. I really like what you're doing. Thank you so much for that, Johnny. And let's jump into it. The elevator pitch. What does Mentimeter do? <laughs> so Mentimeter, we, we change uh, culture, actually. We change the culture of talkers into uh, listening leaders. And we, we enable this by having a platform where you can engage your audience or participants in, in meetings and presentations. Yeah, I've never heard this pitch before regarding. Is, is this new? No, it, um, I'm, I'm testing out a, a, a few new things. So, so the, 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 from talking to listening, that we've been using for, for quite a while. But what uh, what we noticed when we talk to our our biggest clients, where like we have thousands of licenses in in many of our customers, it's that um, it is actually a culture shift. It's not it's not a cool feature that they use in in one or two meetings. But it actually becomes the norm where leaders, uh, you know, listen to employees, customers, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and that 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 culture shift you cannot, you know, you you can't roll it back. It becomes a new way of doing things, and and the old looks stupid. You know, who who does a who does a one way Google Slides or or PowerPoint when you actually can can listen to your your colleagues? So yeah, we, we do change culture. Amazing. And I also see what you're doing here because then immediately Mentimeter is a must and not that nice to have. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but it's actually driven. It's, it's not a, I think the, the, the way we built the, the organization is very much not by pitching our way into, um, uh, into greatness, if you would say. Like we, we build the product that slowly over the 10 years that we build our product and our company has grown into this. So at first, we did, we'd only had a single license uh, possibility. You, you could only buy the product by being an independent leader. Uh, and then slowly, 2016, 17, we started to sell what, what we define as enterprise, but it's like organization-wide deploy of licenses. And, and now today, almost half of our invoice revenue comes from these organizations uh, buying the service. So very much like... Yes, it, it's a new way of talking about it, but it's very much organic, like how we come here uh, to to become a, a must-have product and also not a nice-have product. So, yeah, it, it, it is a bit of a change, but it becomes very organically from how the product is used. 
Nice. And uh, I'm going to jump forward now to the next question because you, you smoothly, I, I don't know if it's so smooth, but you said, how did we come here? Because my next question is, how did you, Johnny, end up <laughs> as a CEO? How did we come here? So when, when, when we founded uh, Mentimeter, we, we did, we did uh, Mentimeter was a weekend hack. So, uh, so we, we played around with the product we self-used. So uh, we, we developed Mentimeter on the weekends. We took it to work uh, during the, the week, and then we, we continued to develop it in, uh, during the weekends. So at the time, uh, we were four co-founders. So we knew each other from university, but this was way past university. We, we started working. And the the only one of us four who wanted to do other marketing or sales uh, or was interested in the kind of like the, the, the corporate side of, of company building was me. So when we also set out to uh, create an Axibelag and when we, when we started to raise capital, which we did like the winter between 2013 and 2014, I said like, okay, uh, no, we, we sat around the table pretty much and like, what roles do we have? And I said like, okay, I, I can be CEO if, if no one else wants that role <laughs> and everyone definitely didn't want that role <laughs> there was a, there was a least uh, interesting role on, on their agenda they're more product and tech people uh, all those three so it became very natural and i've always had an interest for company building i'm very in the, like intrigued with how the other people build companies the 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 structure the financing the uh, yeah the corporate stuff of building a company and then i love sales which both give, makes it good to recruit and then sell the products and uh, one thing that is so inspiring to interview you is that you you are uh, really the real deal like you said started from a few co-founders with, with a weekend hack and now you just closed recently your last round that was over 40 million euros right yeah, or almost the only round. Like we only have an angel investment. Too. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's true. So that, that is quite crazy jump. It, it is a crazy jump, and 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 to to be really honest, like we were still a profitable company. So so just to continue building in the crazy speed that we're building things, like we we ha- we had a plan of, of growing our organization with hundred people twenty twenty two, and we could have done that. Uh, by ourselves, by, by just investing the, the surplus of, of how how it's it's still generating in the company, uh, but these like investors that we're getting in now are really great investors. They they have really high reputation in the Swedish market, and they have built companies, uh, very impressive companies, uh, many times over. And with the extra funds as well, we can do more things. We say in parallel than in sequence. One thing of being a profitable company is that you wait to for the money to come in and for those money to come in in a year or two or three years. And what we're doing now pretty much is like taking that money that we know will come in, like we have so good predictability. And we take the investment now instead because we, we know what to invest in, but instead of waiting, we want to do it now. Once again, I told you this. I both, I think I both text you and write on LinkedIn, but congratulations, you need to Thank the you. success with the round. Let's jump back to being CEO. What do you like the most about being a CEO? But well, I like uh, I like the complexity of it. Uh, I like the problem solving. Um, you know, I, I studied electronic engineering, so I've, I'm almost an engineer. I, I didn't quite uh, pass pass all all years at KTH, all all courses. 
But what I really loved with KTH and, and was the math and, and the problem solving. So you are a dropout from KTH. I, I'm a dropout. Yeah, I am. That that um, is a good headline if if I'm gonna spin it. So so that is a good <laughs> quick question for me to jump in. Yeah, but it's not one of those cool dropouts. It's not that uh, you know I, I dropped out to start Menti. Menti happened many years later. This is more that I I, I dropped out because uh, the, the last three courses was too hard. So I I didn't manage to, to take them, and then I got a job instead and and <laughs> started working. So it, it's not it's not it's, it's not as a cool story as you think. Well, but if you're still going to angle the headline, you can still say the yeah, drop off that far there. But yeah, I, 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 but then uh, so 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 problem solving and and, uh, and, and complexity because that's uh, that's what I love and that's what I still love with with the job. I think that it keeps being very complex and very hard to solve, and there's so many problems uh, every day, every week, every month. That uh, that we try to solve, uh, and 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 it's the aggregate of those problems that you solve that is the company that you build, and that I'm very very fascinated with and, and intrigued by. Why are you intrigued by that? If we if we narrow it down a bit, I think it's it, it's just hard and, and complex. I, I, I like hard things. It's it's, uh, it's things that might not. You know, not not everyone can figure out, or, or it, it it there's uh, many ways of solving a problems, and you need to find out what way fits you the best. And that that complexity in itself is something that I really enjoy. And have you always been have this mindset like you want to solve problem, or, or is that something you have evolved into? If I related, uh, I related it before to KTH, but if I really relate pro- solving problems to math, I've always been interested in math. Like since it's always been my my favorite uh, course at school. Like when I was when I started school, when I was seven eight, math was always the uh, the, the the course that I or, you know got the greatest grades in, and I was a couple of books behind the class, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So really ambitious in that. So there was some sort of, you know, curiosity. There was this, you know, there were these magazines in Sweden, like uh, Kalankas, Kluriga, you know, all, all those type of like kids, comparable cur- uh, curiosity and, and um, elements. Those were things that I really enjoyed, even from a young age. So I think it just, you know, snowballed from there. Interesting. Thanks for sharing. And... Uh what are your biggest challenges right now, Johnny? Yeah, well, right now it's it's nice because it was four days after we closed the round. If you if we had this interview last week, it will be have been that. But I would say one of the biggest challenges, like the, how how this conversation started, it was interesting that you picked up on that because Mentimeter as a product might look very simple. But it's but it's just easy to use. So what, what I mean with that, and and what, what our challenge is, and my challenge is, is that when you use it in uh, in the in in a good way, and your organization start using it in a good way, it does actually fundamentally change something very very valuable in organization culture. If people become more engaged. People stay longer. You have better communication with your customers. That is extremely valuable in an organization 
but the product that you carry that through looks so simple that you almost can't believe it has that effect. And that is something that I, when I, when I talk to investors and I try to like uh, package Mentimeter as a company, uh, that's a really hard challenge actually. Because as as a product, we have no challenge at all. Because like we we, we have grown almost hundred percent organically by just people understanding this, loving it, telling everyone around them about this, and that's how we gained all our fifteen million uh, leaders around the world and over hundred thousand paying customers. How many hundreds of millions of end users have you had on your product so far? Over three hundred million uh, end yeah, users. Wow. That is amazing. But packaging this uh, in, in a way that, because many people, as you say, 300 million people have seen what happens when you put, put a, you pull up your, your phone, menti.com, and you vote on one question. Okay, I know what the product does. And then here, John is, stands in a, in, a, in a pitch saying that it changed fundamentally culture in organizations. Okay, and, and it's a must-have product. It's almost like I don't believe you, and you, you know, you, you're on, you're on, you're above thirty million dollar ARR and, and grow in the way you do. Like, okay, but you know, it's almost like the two doesn't connect. So that that's a big uh, challenge. I guess that is something you, as a CEO, and also with your uh, executive team, you put a lot of time and effort into discuss and optimize, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we have many like uh, many initiatives ongoing right now. I just came from one actually early today, uh, exactly around this how we how we become better at this because uh, th- that organizational uh, shift is is very valuable and and not only because it's financially valuable, but it actually brings us close faster closer to our mission. So, like, if, if the mission is that the product can help people get their voices heard. And the potential people that we can touch is a billion people because those are people that, that are knowledge workers, as, as we call them, like people, desk workers. If, if that, that's the target group, uh, through organization, that is where that can happen in the most efficient way. Uh, so, so really nailing that way of, of explaining this is super, super important to realizing our mission. Let's jump back to... One thing regarding the focus on you as a leader now. I asked about the challenges. Now I'm going to shift to the positive angle. What would you say? And if you want to be humble, please say what are some of your colleagues saying? What are your greatest strengths as a leader? Um, yeah, well, the, the feedback that I often receive, the positive ones, is that... I'll say two things. I'm I'm very present uh, in meetings. I'm an e- easy way of, of um, excluding things that is not relevant at the moment. Uh, and I have a high ability to switch contexts. I think those two are kind of, if, if you talk more more practical leadership skills, that, that um, yeah, and, and, and a more personality traits i think that i i very much bring myself to work or as a ceo so i think you really understand who i am and as, as a person I, I don't have different types of johnnies so when i go to work or not and i think that is appreciated as well it becomes a very personal uh, relationship w- with everyone at Monty. 
Nice. Yeah, thank you so uh, for sharing so, so deep, and uh, it, it's good for me because when I cutting the pod, the listener again, I was like, oh, okay, I can do some extra notes, etc. Now I can have focus on you, Jonny, because how would you like to get approached? What is the best way to do an outreach to you? No, but I, th- I think email is a great uh, channel. Like e- e- email is uh, like combi- combined with Slack is my main two uh, working tools. So it's it's a it's a quite uh, it's quite weird that we have this communication channel that you can reach from anywhere any place in the world that you go straight like up up front to a pe- uh, per- person's face and that most people actually read. So uh, I, I think it's a good way, and then you just need to be very careful in how how pushy you are and, and, and be very concrete in what value that, that you can provide. And if I'm actually the right person to talk to, yes, I'm the CEO, but if, if someone is selling a, a product that a, a product manager would use, there's no point in emailing me because I will never go to a product manager and say, you should use this product. Like you know, what kind of micromanagement is that? So, so those emails you can just scrap. But if there's a service that is actually valuable for me, uh, yeah, um, email is a good uh, channel. Email outreach to, to you. And let's move forward to, yeah, I think we will go to culture because of what you just said with micromanagement, etc. First thing first regarding uh, culture and office, you are truly like office first, not office exactly only, but office first, right? Why did you go with that way? Well, for us, uh, we did, uh, like, we had the opportunity to soul search because before the pandemic, like, it was uh, it was standard. Everyone was doing it. So we're like, okay, let's take the, when, when things was easing up, that we took the chance to really deep dive into why we were doing stuff, like, really, why, 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 go, go down to the core. So we involved a lot of, like, colleagues and to understand different perspective of, of office remote uh, and so on i think that we because there's this theory um, um, thinking uh, model that's called first principle and first principle thinking it's a model about like when you can't divide things into smaller pieces like if you ask like why 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 too many times then you come down to a point where like okay that's actually a fundamental reason why you do things and in, in this dimension, when, when we asked us why, you know, why we like the office, uh, why why some teams, um, you know, really enjoyed being at the office, why some didn't at the times, etc. When we boiled it down, we came to a conclusion that it's actually a choice between the team and the individual, because the remote setting is is optimizing for individual freedom. And we optimize for team output and, and, and effort and effect. And, and t- time to times, actually teams, we believe, need to be in the same room. They need to iron things out. They are in conflict mode. They are something, something is happening that they just need to sit in the same room several days in a row or through a workshop or whatever and really bond and come over that kind of uh, the, the, those hindrances that they are in. And although uh, the, the individual freedom of remote is uh, extraordinary, it's extremely hard, we believe, to make an, a team effective in, in that setting. 
and that's something that you know we would love to be disproved by but but that's something we believe in and and by that we say that okay but then it means that everyone needs to be at least three out of five days at the office we don't clock people in every week but on an average over time about three times uh, a week i've read this so many times you are also relocating your company once a year right for one yep. month why and how does it work but it, it's also part of like uh, one other reason why we want to like be in the office uh, on a weekly basis is that you re you connect with people that don't work with exactly what you work with so it's one that you work with your team and you become efficient and you 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 really like make sure that you 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 operate as a as a proper team uh, with a common goal and and everyone understands how you how you do that in an efficient way but also a big value of meeting people in a company that you don't work with on an everyday basis is that like you understand different con like different sides of the business you understand what's happening you get more you get the serendipity factor of the coffee machine everyone talks about this we also have uh, lunch at the office so when people have lunch they take lunch and sit down with like a random colleague which which means that you have different uh, discussions in, uh, every lunch etc and to the extreme this happens when we do relocation so that means that okay for a month every year you can choose to work in an uh, in a in a in an office and in a city where we choose so last we went to barcelona so you can choose like if you want to be there for a weekend you know your 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 private life just uh, just sets you for a weekend that's fine do a weekend if you want to be there for a month that's fine and during this month uh, more, like you engage with people and you get to know people that you ne- otherwise would never have uh, and that creates trust that creates transparency and the trust and transparency in the bigger context of 270 colleagues it creates an efficient organization because people trust each other so there's no you don't believe in hidden agendas so you don't believe that the product is evil or sales is evil or marketing doesn't do anything but everyone understands and and and, uh, and relates to people as people and i want to throw in one extra layer here you said transparency is a trust but i also want to throw in likability that people start uh, can that be a factor that people actually start liking each other more definitely definitely let's uh, leave the leadership and the office and the culture topic and move into goals and frameworks and kpis what do you use as a framework or a goal system to have everyone uh, aligned and measure the right things the really basic stuff that we we of course have a budget and the, the process is led by georg and the budget has you know both you know both revenue and costs connected to it and uh, we we have two revenue streams so we have one the self service revenue stream and the enterprise revenue stream so it's uh, sales it's uh, headed headed up with uh, by christian and the product heading up by uh, jacob who's the the pnl and is product and jacob is th- that the self-service revenue stream that uh, yeah yeah okay exactly so so and and, and there's a lot of like um, layers of that but that's the kind of the the main structure of, of of the budget and how we set how you know how big of an investment um 
suit we have for the the coming year and and what we believe that that investment will will yield then we have this the steering like on top of that more on on autonomous teams but uh, but but steer initiative in the right direction we do we do use okrs and that's something we implemented about a year and a half ago so it's quite new at menti we're at the size where you know we we we, we needed we needed alignment, but we also, you know, it screamed autonomous teams. You know, every team should be independent to choose where they're heading, but then they need some sort of clear direction. So we're still working through the OKR framework. We, we haven't, you know, we're not um, orthodox uh, OKR uh, people, but, but more some sort of Mellamjölk uh, Swedish Fika version. Where, where we still get it out, but, but it's also like, uh, I believe that the, the challenge with OKRs is that there's also, there's so many other KPIs. So like the, the question of like, okay, is KPIs, budget or OKRs the most important? And how do they, how are they interlinked? And how do people, how do, how do teams not get number paral- parallelized and actually, you know, innovate and run fast? Instead of just staring there blind on 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 numbers, so I think that's and um, uh, yeah, that, that, so that's how we steer the company. One thing, last thing regarding this topic: which three or four or five KPIs on a company level are the most important for you? Um, but let me say one then. Is even better, right? Maybe I will fish for something more, but say, start with one. The one, the North Star metric for us is uh, active leaders. So leaders, who leaders we, we say that are the ones who register and can lead a session uh, with, with the Mentimeter platform. And leaders who are active during one month. That's the North Star metric. That's the North Star metric for self-service, North Star metric for, for enterprise. It's, it's where the value of the product gets created because that's how participant and leader connect. But it's also uh, the virality kicks in, so the viral effect of the product and our entire go-to-market kicks in. So that's the North Star metric that we, for ten years, has been focused on. So the, the number of active leaders during a month, and, and of course you want to see that grow. We want to see that grow. Yeah, really powerful. Thank you, Johnny. So we're gonna close this shop uh, now, and I only have a few things left. So the first thing here regarding uh, wrap this up. If you would give yourself when you were a younger CEO an advice, what top two, three things would you recommend? What would that be that you regret you did and you would recommend a younger version of yourself to execute on? One of the most obvious uh, mistakes that I did um, together with my co-founder, but... um, but I did when we started off Mentimeter was that we didn't focus enough on how we would work together, but only on what we would do. So we, 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 we talked much more about what the product should be and uh, you know, what text we should write, et cetera, et cetera, but not how we work together, how we, you know, the, 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 what we now define as our culture. So how you work to, together is, 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 is culture and what is, is more the effect of it. And I think that if that, that would have saved me a lot of anxiety, anxiety and um, 
and a lot of like issues really early on that we needed to like reboot and re pretty much rebuild the the company uh, after one year. So that that I would give my like we we knew both me and Niklas knew that this was important. So I would give the advice with more like you know don't be too stressed. Like we were so stressed because we had gotten like an angel investment round from a few investors that we really liked, and we were extremely stressed out by. Uh, what they required from us uh, or what we thought that they required from us because they just gave us millions of sec by of the private money and and we were so stressed out and didn't focus on the, the right thing of building a company so that i would have redone uh, and would advise myself to do differently then johnny which two other b2b socios are you inspired by and would like to listen to in this podcast going forward I mean, you can't you can't throw that in here. Uh, <laughs> but let's uh, okay. But let's see. Um, we have uh, the, the Telna CEO. I really want to hear her, Martina, because they're really interesting. Because they're building a telco, but they 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 now also have a SaaS platform there. And one more thing: Do you have any international? Because this is not just a Swedish podcast. Yeah, but if 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 you if you're able to get him, what's his name? Uh, Myro. Andre is the CEO and co-founder of uh, Myro. That's uh, one of the most impressive uh, sauce companies in the last fifteen years. Yeah, you, you, you never know. You should always hustle and throw it out there and ask. And um, the best way to follow you, which platform is the most suitable where the people who have listened right now should follow you going forward? Well, LinkedIn is the most uh, serious one. I, I, I do have Twitter, but uh, that's mostly for memes and uh, yeah, st- stupid videos. So, okay, if you yeah, want so, stupid so, videos and memes, go to Twitter. If you want to talk business or get inspired yeah. by business, LinkedIn. And I will LinkedIn, also link yeah. to Johnny's uh, LinkedIn then in this episode. A quick ask from me now as your host to you has been listening to this episode. It would be amazing if you could take 20 seconds and drop a five star on this podcast if you like what you heard. And Johnny, a huge thank you for putting aside 30 minutes with me to help me and the community keep on learning thank you for having me it was really fun Cause I-